Maurice Luca is an Egyptian musician and composer who's been commissioned for new work for Shifting Center, the show coming to MPAC. And he joins me now. Welcome to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Hello, thank you. It's great to be here. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your work? Um, I'm a musician and composer from Cairo, Egypt. What does your mm. work sound like? Where do you get your influences from? Oh, that's a difficult one. I mean, I, I do different things, different projects. Uh, it's always hard to kind of uh, very briefly describe something that would kind of briefly describe what I do. I would say it's mostly around experimental Arabic music with a very, very loose use of the word Arabic music, I would say. As I was listening to Bandcamp, there's a jazz, a lot of jazz influence, I would say. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, I um, I wouldn't call myself a jazz guy, but uh, definitely very, very much inspired and influenced by jazz music, for sure. The term microtonality comes up in descriptions about your work. Can you explain what that is? This is a very kind of heated thing, so I, I would hate to, to say, you know, I probably won't give the exact uh, proper kind of academic or... And what do you mean by heated? But... Is it is it do people have different meanings for it, or what do you mean by heated? Yeah, I mean it's it's not different meanings, but it's like microtonality, especially now, it's really taking up a lot of the kind of debate in music. I mean, uh, for me, microtonality is basically like when you think of of the tempered scale and from Bach onwards, and especially in Western music, where things you know the piano as an as the source you know instrument, but also like you know music for the last couple of hundred years and. Um, a lot of it has been tempered and it's based on fixed scales. And microtonality is everything that's kind of anything that uses tones and notes that are out, outside of this kind of, of this realm of music, let's say. So you find microtonality in a lot of different cultures, obviously musical cultures. You would even find it in older European music is just at some point things got tempered, like a lot of things, you know, just the music, but like more like systematic and more like these are the notes and and obviously through that came a lot of harmony and a lot of, you know, this idea of trying to play with big orchestras and for everyone to sound kind of in tune, whatever that really means in tune in the end. So, yeah. So for me, microtonality is just anything that's outside that. You're from and currently residing in Cairo, and you also said in, in Berlin, ahead uh, of the, the recording, your music is, there's a lot of brass and winds. So these sounds originated not from Troy, but you will be installing your work at MPAC in Troy. So how do you preserve these sounds and the roots um, when bringing your music and installing it in a different location? In this case in particular, the aim is the opposite. The aim is not to preserve it. The aim is for it to kind of have a come to life there, actually. Like, it's not too often that I get to do installations sort sort of work. So for me, part of the appeal of it is that the composition will only fully come to life there. So there was, uh, while if you're doing records, for example, then you have, you know, most of it happens in the studio. You can have a bit of post-production. You kind of can more or less tell after the recording session what it's going to be, what it sounds like. Uh, in this case, I don't know yet because I haven't installed it yet and I'm leaving a big part of the composition to actually happen there. So it's like uh, it's composed work, but the room and the sound installation and reacting to the objects in the room will give it a completely different life. So for me, uh, I, I, it's not about preserving, but it's more about it having kind of flourishing there, let's say, in the best scenario, is that whatever I did when I bring it there, it works and actually it has another life there. 
So in that way, a piece can never be duplicated because it sounds differently in each location? This one particularly, yes. I mean, this one, I, I kept in mind a lot the, the context, you know, the, the, the room, the speaker setup, the, um, the objects. So, for example, something like the structure of the piece and uh, how much silence we're going to use in the piece. Like all these things are things that we're going to work with while we're there. So what else can you tell us about the installation? What is your thought on what the installation is going to be like? So things are going to be moving around the room, I think. Like it's not always going to come out from the same source. And and this is something that I'm really looking forward to do while I'm there. I obviously have some ideas, but I don't think we can tell until we're there and see how everything sounds. Um, so that's in terms of, of installing the, the work. The work itself came out of conversations with Nedda Raus, one of the curators of Shifting Center, of course. And um, so the work was definitely inspired by conversations with Nida and for me it's a collaboration with Nida because I think this piece would not have come without her direction in a way like at least direction and thoughts and inspirations and ideas like she really set the, the kind of the ground for me to kind of be inspired and come up with this piece and um, so that's initially uh, the initial spark for the work let's say and then once the music started to kind of form I kind of started having ideas of who I wanted to play on it and the uh, then the writing of the piece, the recording of the piece, and we're still here. Like, uh, hopefully next week we install it. So we're halfway there, let's say. What do you hope that a visitor takes away from your work? For me, it's a very site-specific work. So I guess what I'm hoping is for when people walk into the room, it's an intriguing and inspiring piece, but that it's also part of Shifting Center as a whole. And this is something that we've discussed a lot with Nida and Vic. So I guess harmony uh, is one of them, like within the context of it. Like I, and but at the same time, obviously, I wanted to also, like I guess, two contradictory things, like a harmonious and also jarring, not jarring in a kind of intense way, but also like I also don't want it to be. Um, maybe come back to this. Do you have any other questions, or that's the last one? I do have another question. Um, so since you mentioned that your work is experimental Arabic music, what are the important elements of Arabic music? No, I don't think they need, they need to know anything. I think being kind of, um, I think music works in a different way. I think it either hits you or not. And especially like, I, and I, I notice this all the time, like with something like microtonality, some people are more kind of intrigued by it or predisposed to getting an, an emotional effect from it. And some other people are just jarring and sounds out of tune. And there's nothing you can tell someone that will make him change how he emotionally reacts to it or any other kind of music. I think there's underexposure of Arabic music in, in the Western world, not just Arabic, but I think music outside the Western hemisphere, but that's changing. I think more and more so, at least in my time, which is, you know, I'm not that old, but already I've seen a, a big difference in the last 10, 15 years about exposure to different kinds of music, you know, people in the Western hemisphere being for different kinds of music. So, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, recommend not just Arabic music, I would recommend, you know, I think there's, there's so much out there. And again, I mean, I use the word Arabic music very loosely. I don't think anyone would kind of like, it's, I'm not a good ambassador or a clear reference for that. I mean, and I, and I think that's a positive thing because I think it's also a very, in itself, very loose term. What is Arabic music, you know? Obviously, it's a big, big one. But, you know, if, if people would listen to what I do and like it and then be like, oh, okay, let's check out what else is happening there. You know, that's for me is already a big thing, I guess. I'm not saying that's necessarily the aim of, for what I do. But, uh, I mean, maybe this go back to the question of, the audience taking something from the from the work, maybe part of it is that. Different sounds, different feelings. Different sounds, different feelings.
Yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you, Maurice Luca. And what would you like to leave Thank our you, listeners Sina. with? I guess I always struggle with these kind of questions. Um, no, I mean, I, I hope people end up at the show. And I hope, uh, again, like you said, I said, think you said it very articulately. I think they, I hope they leave with intrigue and I hope they feel something. I hope the work, I think it is emotional work in some way. And I hope they, they yeah, hope it leaves them with something. And curiosity is definitely one. And I think a big one. And, and yeah, I mean, for me, it would be, it would be very touched if the work make people more curious about what I do, obviously. And uh, and maybe, yeah, on a broader term, the music scene I come from. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you, Sina.